0: Yeah, yeah, old school, that's what I'm talking about Listen, this ain't for everybody Some of y'all need to hear that huh. I know you in the trenches fighting But check it out I'm gonna put it down like this so I can help the saints understand Everything you're going through, is all part of the master plan Or what, you thought cause you got saved everything was gonna be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son, don't run, come to sleep but a drink Think without words is there. read your Bible, you know what it says don't work, don't eat Blackers don't get fed huh? Yeah, Jesus said He who puts his hands to the plow Looks back the same, makes fit Some of y'all ain't been in the pictures Five minutes and you about ready to quit I ain't mad at ya I'm just hitting you with the real huh? If you dabbed for me I was still trippin'. Now how you think that make you feel Check this out Deep game This is Zeke, Huh some of y'all ain't saw so nothing, but your started trying to reach up But after him who's able to position, your father, by his glory. Struggle might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now, the point of this is prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your look right here and see if the church can relate. I know we can make. to the tribe you you say why you but your shirt say what would jesus do why you asking if he ain't trying to do what he's saying? Huh? He told you he was going to have tribulations, but you thought he was playing. Huh? One minute you tell her how good God is and can't nobody bitch to talk. The next minute you backslide so fast, i like you're moonwalking. Huh? Oh yeah, I'm bitching to myself because I ain't no better. It ain't like I've been following his every word, obeying it to the letter. But we sold us We got to remember that. Regroup. Stay on point. Hey, yeah. Bow down. Confess. Repent. Stay humble. Let him anoint. Huh? It ain't easy as I thought it was. I'd be lying if I told you that. But it showed up getting better all the time. Trust me. That's the fact. Ain't never we going through that can't be handled. God put that on this tongue Like they say, you can shout now if you want to Cause the battle's already won So while you're going through the valley, don't even show. You. You're gonna be on top Choirs in the hook line no more games. Just time you don't stop I know we can
1: Two. Welcome everybody. This is your host Lamar Patterson and you listen to Can a Play a Play. I had to give a minute or two to big boy upstairs. I know I have a friend that hate me referred to a refer to guy as that, but anyway I don't think anyone's bigger than that. And I know with his help we're gonna make it through some way, somehow Because 'Cause we're going through some crazy ish right about now all around the world. And uh I, I certainly hope Wherever you are, wherever you be, you being safe, taking care of yourself and your loved ones, you know. And with that being said, we have a great inspirational show lined up for you today. Uh, Miss Sandra Jose is going to be joining us. She's an intuitive, trauma release and self empowerment coach, Reiki master teacher traumatic incident reduction facilitator, mediation teacher, and a passionate writer. Yeah, yeah, she's an author. have a book coming out real soon, and she has an amazing story um, to share with everyone, you know, and I definitely got some questions for her and uh, some comments and a couple things she said that really touched me that I really want to talk about. But anyway, uh, let me see if that guest with us. Uh, Sandra, are you with us?
2: Yes, I am.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking time out to join us. And, of course. Uh, I just I, I, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. You know, I'm really bad at that sometimes.
2: <laughs> no, you didn't.
1: Very <laughs> exotic the way you say
2: it, though.
3: <laughs> it's cool.
1: <laughs> well, well, thank you for not slapping me down. I appreciate that. <laughs> I try. I try. So how, how are you doing? How are you? How are you? I'm,
2: doing, I'm doing good. Thank you very much. How about
1: yourself? Um, I'm trying to be safe, you know, and trying to be thoughtful, trying to be encouraging, trying to stay positive. And uh, it gets harder and harder every day, so, you know, we just got to pray a little bit harder.
2: Yes, tell me about it.
1: It's not easy. Yes. So, so Sandra, you know, I know you're a writer. Uh, and an instructor So um, I, I guess Your story Your journey is, is very important I mean to share with the world You know Because there's so much stuff Going out there um, That people Don't want to talk about And uh, they should talk about And I know because of uh, Some of your past traumas Who have kind of brought you To where you are today So I guess that's a good part uh, To start um, We're we'll talking a little bit about uh, who you are and some of the uh, the trauma experiences that brought you to where you are. Okay. Do you want
2: to start with the light stuff or the heavy stuff?
1: Well, um, let's start with the heavy stuff and then we could get to the light stuff earlier, so everybody okay. could be on a good note and um, go read your book and all that good stuff.
2: Sounds good. Okay, so my name is Sandra. Um, I was born and raised in Germany and came to Canada when I was 30. The last time my husband brought me here. When I was 12 years old, I was molested. When I was 14, I was sexually harassed. When I was from 16 to 17, I was bullied in school. When I was Between 19 and 25, I was sexually assaulted multiple times. When I was 21, I was actually arrested in the workplace. When I was 22, I was raped. And when I was 24, I was dismissed by my psychologist with the word that he believed I already worked through it all and what he was supposed to do. That's the first part of my story.
1: And I guess, you know, what what really jumped out at at me, Sandra, is um, one of the statements you made, uh, trauma is not a life sentence. And, you know, I've I've done several shows in the past where, you know, I mentioned that the children that were molested and raped at an early age, they're given a life sentence and the perpetrators are given a jail sentence. Now what what I'm hearing you say is um, the opposite to that, which I really want you know to hear you talk about a little bit more because I don't have many guests or people that even talk about the uh, the solution of the other side of that. We always hear about you know, not always hear about because I know part of. Uh, the molestation process, the rape process is for the perpetrators to shame their victims so they don't talk about it. I I'd like to our listeners to hear a little bit more, I guess, about your trauma, which leads you to I guess your, your teaching and, and I guess to the other side of that. You know what I mean? The 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 helpful part. I don't know if the yes. question is sense, but I know what I'm trying to say.
2: Yes. No I do believe that trauma is not a life sentence, and we can heal from it no matter how difficult the trauma is. What I've come to find on my healing journey is that the answer was within myself, because in essence, what we see as trauma is our own defense mechanism. So whenever we're being triggered, it's like an alarm system goes up and says, wait a minute, we felt like this before. Don't go there. In essence, that's the trigger. Reminding us we felt like this before. We don't want to feel like this again. And so we get anxiety, we get panic attacks, we lash out just because we don't want to feel like we felt at this very first time this happened. And if we can look inward and looking at what at our body, mind and spirit is trying to protect us from, then we can heal. Because the answer is not outside of us, the answer is within ourselves.
1: Is is that why you said um, letting go? Of, well, no, that's not why you said that. But why do you say letting go of trauma is difficult? You know, it's your self thing that you harbor within yourself.
2: Well, it's difficult because we continue to stay in what happened. We're going back to it. So we're looking at what happened, but what happened is the one constant. That will never change. It happened, and there's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do is to choose that it no longer affects us. That's why I say it's within ourselves, and it's difficult because we focus on the story and not on ourselves.
1: Well, question real quick. How how do you navigate that uh, with society? Because I know... Uh, once you experience a situation and it becomes known to other people, you have a period where you have to deal with, I guess, the, the, uh, the process. So how do you navigate going through that?
2: Well, one thing that I wrote in my book about trauma healing is you are not society. So what society dictates or what society wants or says doesn't have to resonate with you. I mean, my former generation of parents, grandparents, they all said, well, you got to live with it. It happened, you have to live with it. And I said, well, that's not good enough for me. Why do I have to live with someone that someone else did to me? Why do I have to be punished every day for the choice of someone else doing something against my will? And that's when I started to search for the answer because I just knew there was an answer out there didn't give me that answer. So, so I just said, well, suck it up. Sorry. <laughs>
1: wow. Bye. <But. laughs> well, well, going through any of your situations, because you've been uh, molested a few times and stuff, and I heard rape as well. Was any of those yes. things involving law enforcement? Did you have to go through court through any of those situations?
2: No. The first time when I was molested, my luckily my parents believed me. So I was one of the luckier ones, and it took me out of that situation. But I never proceeded with police or going to court. I asked my mother a few years after why she never, and she said, well, I didn't want you to have to be in court and talk about everything again. And I just thought, well, I was 12, and I thought that it was my body, so I should have had some say in it. But anyways, by the time I was old enough that I could have gone to the police myself, understanding what happened, that man had already died. There wasn't really much point to it. And later, when I was raped, I was 22, and I confided in my father, and I said, okay, I want to go to the police. He was a soldier in the military um and my father said well it's going to be you against the whole US army who do you think is going to win and so i didn't go on with reporting him so no law was never involved
1: yeah i i guess the reason i asked that because i know when i asked about society earlier i actually meant you know, law enforcement and the court system because I know once they're get involved into it, it would seem that, um, that would make it a little bit more difficult to, to deal with the situation internally and move on because you you know, have to deal with it on the world stage per se, you know, going back and forth to court, com- continually hearing about it or seeing the perpetrator and you know what I mean, it just seems like it drags on and on and on and, it, and it's harder to recover from that, if that makes sense.
2: It does, but honestly, I've never experienced that, so I can't speak for that. I don't know if for some okay. people, I'm sure it brings closure. I don't know.
1: Okay, well, you know, it was just a question that popped into my mind because I just know how the system and society work. Sometimes they don't really they, they they try to help, but the question remains: are who are they really helping? So, uh, Sandra, why did you feel that uh, sharing your story is healing and empowering?
2: Well, the time I shared my story, I was nervous. I was scared because I always thought, who am I to tell my story? Who would want to hear about what happened to me? I'm no one important. And I talked to a friend of mine who is also very spiritual and a spiritual healer. And she was like, Sandra, your story is so powerful. You can change so many lives just by sharing your story. And I looked at it, I was like, me? Sharing my story? Helping others? How? But I was like, okay, I'll think about it. Then I was at a local arts and craft show who had also public speakers, and I signed up, and I said, okay, I'm going to share part of my story. And the feedback that I got from people in the crowd was phenomenal. They came to me and said, you know what, your story touched my heart. This happened to me too, and it feels so good to hear someone else talk about it. So it is not only healing and empowering, it's empowering others. And just to know that my story can give others hope that they too can heal and that they're not alone, that gives me more empowerment to share my story. And it's healing as well because it shows me that my story matters. And I think that's the key, that our stories matter, that it was not for nothing.
1: So what would you tell somebody that's gone through certain things and just scared to talk about it?
2: I would ask, what are you afraid of? Because depending on what they're afraid of is how I would help them through it. If they're afraid to speak up and someone would hear this for the first time and
3: judge them,
2: let's say, for example, well, it was your own fault or he could have dressed differently or whatever else comes to mind, then I would walk them through it and help them understand that whatever they did, whatever happened, it was not their fault and that others feel the exact same way and that by speaking up, they can actually help others, too, to speak up. Because the only one we talk about it can bring change. So if we hide out of fear of being judged, nothing's ever gonna change.
1: Well, that, may, that that makes sense. Let me ask you this. Isn't that one of the um, perpetrator's tools that they use uh, when, they, when they do what their act is to make sure that the person don't tell?
2: Yes, but if we have someone we can talk to, and they assure us that this is just a scare tactic and they can't do anything, then we give them the power back so they can talk about it.
1: Question only because you know in the last year, uh, I've been told by several uh, associates of mine that they've had you know a similar experience. They were molested at a young age and. And don't seem like people know about it or the people that did know about it, you know, wasn't very supportive and didn't really do anything about it. And I, I tend to wonder, where are they at now totally, mentally, as a result of that? So uh, that kind of brings me back to you again and in, in your healing and stuff and how you overcame the trauma. So full
2: circle. Well, in terms of support, I didn't have much. But today, that I've been through the whole healing process, I understand why. Because however people react, most of it stems from their own trauma that they don't acknowledge. And so they can only give us the support they're able to give from their mindset. My mother did the best she could by Taking me out of the situation and then never talking about it anymore, in hopes that I would forget. That was all she could do from her point of view. Now, on someone else, maybe too afraid to speak up because they never spoke up about their own trauma. And so, healing my trauma.
1: Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um,
2: so, healing my trauma was really defined by two distinct moments that really helped me understand what needs to be done. And once I did that, it became easier because I shifted my mindset away from the trauma and towards healing.
1: So what practice can our listeners use to kind of help them get started?
2: Okay. Um, If listeners are very spiritual and open to spiritual practices, I highly recommend a quartz crystal because that was the first item that a friend gave me to heal, and it has really helped me. Now, if you're not open to spirituality, perfectly fine, then I would suggest journaling. Writing down whatever pops into your mind and release it. So in essence, imagine that all your thoughts, your emotions, they're like a big yarn ball that's inside your head, and it's all so tangled up like a little kid that just played with it, like knots and everything. And that's all the emotions, the thoughts, and the thought process. And by writing it down on paper, you're releasing those thoughts. And you can basically see the yarn ball going from your mind, through your arm, into the pen, and out onto paper. And this is very healing because you're releasing things you normally only think about over and over again. But if you write them down, you don't have to think about them anymore as much. And that's very healing. And it's gentle.
1: Okay. Also, uh, I know I mentioned earlier that uh, I always have a problem pronouncing this word, Reiki, Master?
2: Reiki, Master, yes.
1: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Okay, well, Reiki is a name called for life force energy, which means the energy around us, the energy within us. It's based on the belief that everything is energy, and if we are, let's say we're having pain, we're sick, we're stressed, we're anxious, there's an imbalance within us on the energetic field. And if we can balance the energy, then we can bring healing into our body, in essence. So basically what it means if you have trauma, it is not only on the physical, mental, emotional level, but also on the energetic level. And if you draw out the energy of the trauma, you release the trauma itself and can bring healing very gently by releasing the energy of it.
1: Definitely leading into my next question that you just answered and how did that tie into the trauma release?
2: Yes. Well, Reiki works on all levels. It works on physical pain, emotional pain. It works on stress. It works on anxiety, on depression, anything, because everything starts with energy. That's what we believe in Reiki. And so when we work on the energy, we can bring everything back in alignment.
1: And uh, I guess you do, is that something that you do in, like in a clinical environment or do you go out of people's homes or do they come into your office? How is that administered?
2: Well, reiki is actually a very popular in hospitals, especially with cancer patients, for example, because it really helps with the side effects of the chemotherapy yeah. and the pain. So you can find reiki practitioner in hospitals. You find them in health and wellness centers. Or sometimes Reiki practitioners travel to you or you go to their home. I have my Reiki practice in my own home. Of course, now a lockdown, it's not possible. Yeah, even distance Reiki is possible. So if you can't go to your Reiki practitioner and your Reiki practitioner can't come to you, it can be administered over distance.
1: Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. But I guess it's a good time for me to say this. Uh, for all our listeners who just joined us, um, the call-in number is 646-929-2870. Press number one on your phone if you want to join the conversation or if you have a question, uh, come on with it. We'll definitely let you in and let you ask your questions. Because i got some more for Sandra. Sure. <laughs> What is an emotional hangover in your opinion because I think everybody in America is having some of them right now, so how do you describe it?
2: The emotional hangover when as an example, when I work with my coaching clients and they have an aha moment, so they basically realize something that shifts something within them, which means if they had a limiting belief around let's say nothing good enough. And all of a sudden they realize where this is coming from. And this is releasing that limiting belief. So they no longer feel that they're not good enough. So they have to they're euphoric, they're feeling so light and bliss and just happy, bubbling over with joy. Because they're released those negative feelings. But this negative feeling has others attached to it from years and years of buildup. So a day or two after they had this huge aha moment, this huge revelation, they feel totally down, depressed, like doomsday mood, because all those emotions that were attached to that limiting belief are coming out of the body to be released, and that's the emotional hangover. It's just a good one. Still, you feel really down, but only for a little while. The Emotions come up and leave, so... And when someone has an emotional hangover, it's very important to just allow the emotions to be what they are and just let them come up and go. They go by themselves, they're just coming out and it's like a cleaning house, in essence. That's an emotional hangover.
1: Well, how often do people normally have these?
2: Whenever they're clearing. I always know that when I have a little piece of the puzzle and I'm feeling totally happy and excited. I already know, okay, in the next couple of days, I'm going to feel like crap. <laughs> and I say, all right, whatever comes up, let it be as it is. And I just, I allow my emotions to be what they are because emotions are nothing bad or good. Emotions are emotions. We all have them. And so, yeah, just, it's important to really allow ourselves to feel however we feel. However we feel is never wrong.
1: That's just how you feel
2: Exactly And there's nothing wrong with
1: that I get it I, I definitely get it I get it What other question? I have uh, something else uh, You mentioned um, uh, uh, What has a paper cut to do with the trauma Explain that
3: Yes This is uh,
2: kind of like a theory That I run a little further So when we have a letter that we have been so excited to get and we just rip it open to see what it says and we get a paper cut, we are annoyed by it, right? Because a paper cut is annoying. So we just hold it under running water and if it's really bad, we get a Band-Aid. So, and then we don't give the paper cut another thought unless we have to cut chop onions because then it really hurts. But otherwise, we don't care about a paper cut anymore. And it can heal because that's what our body does. Our body is self-healing. Oh. No. Now, but when we think about a paper cut, in essence, what happens is the paper cut received, well, a finger received trauma by the paper. So if our body would react to the paper cut as the same as the trauma from sexual abuse, for example, then we would be terrified of ever touching paper again. We would be so scared of getting another paper cut, but we're not, because we know the body is self-healing. But the body does not care whether it's a paper cut, a broken bone, a new kidney, or emotional trauma. The body only knows it needs to do its job and heal. But when we're being traumatized by sexual assault or any other kind of trauma, we keep saying with what happened, which in essence is the same way as continuously peeling off the gap from the paper cut. So by staying in the story, we don't allow our body to do what it's supposed to do, heal. The comparison I draw between the paper cut and trauma because in essence, trauma is trauma to the body. Only on a mental, emotional level, we don't see it that way because we have not been taught how to self-heal after trauma.
1: got my mind kind of spinning because I was, you know, I noticed a lot of people that uh, experienced some type of uh, sexual assault. I guess the clock is different per individual uh, in terms of how they deal with the trauma and when they can start to heal from it, I guess with, with them having the proper knowledge or guidance. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, for
2: me it took 20 years to really heal and understand, it didn't just happen overnight. I was stuck in deep trauma for years until I finally Sandra, wait, was wait, able wait. to start. Sandra, was that
1: 20? Was that 20 years from the uh, the first occurrence or from the last occurrence? Moving forward, will it, or in total?
2: Well, I would say about halfway through because when I was 12 years old, I didn't understand what happened. I didn't understand what that man was doing. I knew I didn't like it so once I was when I turned 16 I finally started to understand and comprehend and then on top of that all the other things I was building up I guess I would say about four about twelve years after I was raped give or take
1: so uh, from the last occurrence uh... I guess it took you, well, I guess I'm trying to figure out, so the last occurrence, it took you 20 years after that?
2: Yeah, not quite 20 years. I would say 15. Yes, but still a very long time.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I understand that. But, you know, I was just trying to get the idea as to when yeah. and how long uh, the healing process uh, took you. Because I know it's different, mm-hmm. um, different for each person. Uh, having like I said, having the proper guidance and the proper tools to kind of help them on along the way and the experience is not like yours because it seemed like your experiences um, took you to a place where you could help other people uh, giving given them the knowledge and how to do you know they just need the tools and most people don't have the tools and don't know how and who how to reach out for the people they do. Yes, and I still hope that I can change that in the world because trauma is not as, a life Yeah, Yeah, as do I. Again, everybody, call in, 646-929-2870, and I know you have some questions, and I know you know somebody have been sexually abused, male and female, because a lot of young boys are getting abused as well, so it's not only females, and uh, there's all type of abuses, you know, mental abuses as well, um, senior abuses, all abuses, and they're all wrong. So I'm sure you guys have somebody, know somebody, see somebody, so you might want to press number one on your phone and get the answers now. You know, um, knowledge is power. Okay, just had to say that, Sandra. <laughs>
2: no, you're very right. Knowledge is power. want know what to do, we do it because we know how.
1: Yes, Yes. that's definitely, once recognized the problem, that's only half of it. Doing something about it is the other half.
2: Yes, but that's what I love about working with people, because once they had this first breakthrough, this first aha moment, and they see how great that feels, they don't want to stop. (laughs) They want this high again possible, and every time they have this high, they... Feel so much better. They change. It's amazing.
1: Okay. Well, how how does uh, perfectionism uh, relate to trauma? Is that sort of like an, an addiction, like uh, a wine or a drug or something?
2: Well, it's a coping mechanism. When we're being traumatized, no matter the story, it doesn't matter what happened. The principle is the same we basically have the rug pulled out from underneath us. We had control taken away from us. We feel powerless. So, and as long as we're in the trauma, we don't regain the sense of power. So we compensate. And whenever we're keeping control, being a perfectionist, control freak, then we are trying to control because we, so that we can't feel like we have control, when, in fact, we don't. Because at the same time, when you're perfectionist, you want everything perfect, but it's never good enough. Because you're never satisfied, because you feel like you never did a good enough job because you don't feel this satisfaction of being in control. Because deep down, you're not. And so that's why perfectionism, controlling, and... and well, some cases OCD is related directly to trauma as a coping mechanism. Once we start healing, the sense of control will automatically come back, and the sense to need to be
1: perfect
2: or in control will slowly fade away.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I guess it does make a, a, a sense too. So a, a lot of people that have endured some trauma. Are really good at some other things that they do.
2: Mm-hmm. It's just a coping mechanism.
1: Well, Sandra, why can't I meditate?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if you can meditate,
1: but <laughs> a lot of people. Hey, look, that was a question. That was a question, everybody. I just don't want to think <laughs> I can't meditate because I can't.
2: <laughs> yes, I just had to. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> well,
2: when we experience deep trauma, there is a disconnect happening between our body and our soul. This shows itself as we feel like something is missing. We feel out of place. We don't feel whole. So there's a disconnect. And when we have that disconnect, meditation is almost impossible us because with meditation you need to relax and just be present. But when you're just relaxing and be present, you cannot suppress those negative emotions. They're coming to the surface. And when you're not at a point where you feel you can handle those emotions coming up, then you can't meditate. It's, there are people who get anxiety attacks the moment they try and sit still, just because the trauma is still so deep rooted within them, within them that they're terrified of bringing the feelings back up.
3: That's
1: why uh, people feel um, sick every time they think about uh, healing.
2: That is another defense mechanism of the body. That is passive with triggers. And we're trying so hard to suppress. And we don't want to feel what we felt when it happened. So we're suppressive. And so whenever we only think about trauma, it's a response from the body to say, nope. We're not going to go there, and that's the nausea. I have to dialogue with my clients. It's very common.
1: So, uh, your your book it's it's not complete yet. It'll be out shortly. But are some of these well? I'll let you talk about it. Talk about your book, Sandra.
2: Well, actually, I should get the publishing date. Hopefully next week because I signed up on the last edit. cover is beautiful so if all goes well it should be published next month
1: and the title is journey journey to yourself
2: yes journey to yourself is the title of my trilogy and book one how to heal from trauma is the one that is now going to be published and in this book I talk about my story of course but I also talk about my aha moments, how I overcame it, what changed, and what has to happen for us to heal our trauma. So our really gift sizes and journaling prompts, and even go so far as into meditation, spirituality, because it's a part of who we are. Of course, I try and explain it in a general way so that people get a little more acquainted with it. So it's really a book that helps people to really hands-on start their journey journey towards trauma healing.
1: Okay. I don't know why people aren't asking questions because I know they want to ask a whole bunch of them because I still do. So I in know, your book,
2: it's a very difficult subject.
1: I know, and it's and it's amazing, and 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 it, and it dates back, I guess, decades because people are dealing with this as we speak, and they yeah. um, they're for well, we know the reasons they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be judged or or, or shunned or even bring it back to the surface, but uh, it, it appears like you still have to deal with it just to get past.
2: Yes, but the thing is, once you understand the key of releasing it, it actually becomes easy because trauma is so terrifying because we don't want to go back to how we felt. But the thing is, once we release that, it's never coming back. It's just a story. Oftentimes when I talk about my story at events or wherever, it feels like I'm talking about someone else's. Because I have no emotional connection to it anymore. There's nothing suppressed. Nothing is coming up. I can feel whatever I want to feel without fear of anything coming back up. And this is so beautiful. I'm grateful every day that I'm free to feel whatever I want without being afraid.
1: Sandra, doing your doing your journey of healing and and and, and recovering from your situations. Did you have any uh, intimacy issues uh, with your husband moving forward?
2: Uh, yeah, there were times when I felt almost disgusted when he was trying to touch me and I pushed him away so I can't right now. Now, I'm glad I have a very understanding husband, but it was never an issue. But I felt bad because I didn't want it. And it really took healing and releasing the rape and possible. Right now I don't have any issues anymore. On the contrary, now I'm more interested in my husband. <laughs> well it's quite the opposite. Well, you know, I
1: guess I guess I brought that up is because, you know, I, I've heard and been told by other females that's been assaulted that they had, you know, issues yeah. uh dealing with a relationship after that because they didn't want um, they, they did want to be touched.
2: Mhm. Well, the reason is because the body also remembers. There's trauma also in the body, so we remember the touch, and that's trauma too on the physical level. Most of the time we're being told it's in the mind, it's all the memories, but it's not. It's in the physical, it's on the emotional level, the mental level, it's everywhere. So the body remembers the touch and this affects like the body is triggering. So if when my husband touched me in a certain way, I was being triggered, I was like, No, don't. I can't have that. You know, because the body remembers my body was triggered. But all this can also be released just like emotional trauma is the same way you can release it.
1: Okay, well, uh, Uh, Sandra, uh, you mentioned that the right treatment is out there. Uh, How would somebody know what would be the right treatment for them?
2: Well, trauma healing has no one-size-fits-all approach. We're being told that we should go to see a therapist, which I think is a great first step. But it's not right for everybody. If the trauma is so deep like Let's say on a physical level, and it's mental and emotional all at once, and they can't really release because sometimes it's too deep. They have to look for a different approach. Now, what is very popular is EMDR, eye movement desensitization treatment, which is trigger release, and it's, from what i heard, very good. I've never had that, but... Sometimes it's also not good for people then because for some people, the trauma still remains because the trigger hasn't fully been released. So there are so many other modalities, like what I do, for example, is traumatic incident reduction, which is very similar to EMDR in the sense of trigger release. But in TIR, we are being trained to really continue the session until we see the change in our clients that the trigger has in fact been released. Or you could try more spiritual practices like EFT, capping. You can try Reiki. Yoga is wonderful to release trauma if it's done correctly. There's so many so many treatment options out there. So what I would suggest if someone is doesn't get really great results with therapy think outside the box just look trauma healing and see what else is there and if you resonate with it try it out if it doesn't work try something else but never never give in the answer is out there
1: uh, i think if i had to had dealt with any type of trauma in my life i think i would want a, a therapist such as yourself um for somebody I have walked the walk, you know, you really know what it is. You know, yeah. so you, I would be more um, passionate about listening to you instruct me as what to do, as opposed to a therapist that just can give me what they read out of a book. Not to Brother, say that they're you? not good. Not not to say that they're not good understanding what they read out of a book, but they haven't walked the walk or talked to talk. You know what I mean?
2: Well, and the thing was. What's different between me and a therapist? I'm a coach. I was contemplating going into psychology, but I was like, no, I don't want to go by the book. I want to design my sessions the way it's the most helpful for my clients, which was the main reason why I chose to be a coach. And also, I don't really like this distance between therapist and client. I mean, I don't tell them my life story. No, but I allowed him to get a little closer to me so that they feel comfortable. You know, I always say I am an open book. Ask me what you want to know. So because I feel that this level of trust and, I wouldn't call it intimacy, but knowing the other person is so vital, especially when you talk about trauma, something so personal. You have to trust that person in order to be able to open up and feel good about it. And that's why I think for most people who don't feel they get the satisfaction or the help out of therapy, it's the distance.
1: How, uh, how about is there a trust factor there as well?
2: Yes. Yeah. For me, I have to make sure that my clients really trust me because if they don't trust me, they don't feel comfortable opening up to me. And I want them to open up because my highest goal is to help them finally release their trauma so they can feel amazing. So for me, trust is very important.
1: Well, I would think so because if people don't feel like they – if people don't feel like you really know what you're talking about, then they're not going to really trust you either. Yeah, that too. And I can imagine, like I said, based on your past experiences, I mean, they could understand. Uh, and, and that's everything. That's everything. Because it doesn't take me very long to see through people, you know. But I could tell mm-hmm. somebody to really know what they're talking about based on life's experiences opposed to, you know, just watching it or reading it somewhere.
2: Yes. And plus, since I have been through all the trauma and I've, healed from it all and I know that I have healed, I don't get triggered by the stories that I hear because I know how good it feels to let them go so I focus on their transformation. I don't focus on their story. I help them to release their story but I don't focus on it which means I don't I internalize imagine. the story.
1: Right, but I can imagine that's what makes you so good at what you do is because you really know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You really know it, and, and your clients can feel that. They can feel it. They can sense it, and, and, and they know it, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and that's powerful, you know, that's powerful, because you really know what you're talking about based on experience not based on what somebody else told you, and I think that makes <laughs> all the difference in the world. <laughs> it just does. It makes all yeah. – because, look, I'm real, quick, I'm real quick to say, you know what, that fool over there, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. And I, yeah, I was never to <laughs> Yeah. You end up with a little smirk on your face, you know what I mean? <laughs> mhm.
2: Yep, pretty much. No, I was never one to really listen to what other people had to say. I was always doing my own thing.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so you're off my parents uh,
1: so. Definitely uh, you're absolutely doing some fantastic, great work and I know, you know, a lot of people this this show is going out on pretty much all the different platforms so i know the people that didn't hear it all today are going to be able to hear it and and they're going to resonate on a lot of things that you said you know because there's a lot of helpful stuff a lot of wisdom there you know and people aren't are afraid to talk and really don't know who to talk to or how to talk to them and they walking around with this baggage right today and don't even know how to get mm-hmm. out and get it off their shoulders
2: Yeah, and I really hope that I can help some of the listeners. That's what I'm saying, that I really can start to think and look at trauma from a different angle, you know, and then maybe start shifting and releasing. Because once we stop being afraid of trauma, we can release it.
1: Yes, that's so important because you have to really love yourself before you can love somebody else.
2: That's very true.
1: Definitely got to do that. So, Sandra, are you doing any uh, any any tours or any uh, speaking engagements around town?
2: Um, not yet. It's in the works. I mean, I have spoken at small events here in town, but I'm hoping that once my book is out, I have something to show for, <laughs> and have a better chance of really spreading my message. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Well, you're definitely getting your message out um, all over right about now because people are going to hear this message.
2: That's wonderful.
1: So you mentioned you had uh, the first part of your book as a trilogy, and then there's going to be a two and a three?
2: Yes. Well, the second one I started working on, it's called Journey to Yourself, How to Unbecome Who You Were Taught to Be. So in the second one, I still talk about trauma, but a little lighter. So about, let's say, what we were brought up to believe, what our parents taught us that is now hindering us. For example, I was brought up with the belief self-pride stinks. So being proud of yourself is bad. It took me a long time to really release that and say, hey, I'm proud of myself and really meaning that, feeling it. Because before, I felt like it's nothing. You know, like I accomplished something, awesome, moving on to the next. So I didn't celebrate myself for my accomplishments. I mean, I have two gold medals in Interpretive Dance, and I never celebrated that because it was just like, cool, let's move on, because I was not allowed to be proud of myself.
1: Wow. Well, what was the reason for that? I mean, do you have any idea?
2: Um, Germany post-war?
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. Keep your head down. Don't say anything. Just be proper and quiet and my grandma was still one of those. My mom, yeah, not that much. She was more outspoken, but it was yeah, post war Germany. That's where most of her is coming from. Understandably so. Oh wow. Yeah. So when I I talk about
1: No, I I was just saying, wow, because I I could hardly imagine because I probably would have been assassinated early on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, me too, the way I'm talking now.
1: Wow.
2: That's amazing.
1: Well, you're great now. Thank you. You can definitely take, uh, definitely take uh, pride in your accomplishments, you know.
2: Most of the time, yes. <laughs>
1: Sometimes <laughs> it still creeps back into my mind. I have to remind myself, but
2: for the most part, yes. So I'll definitely celebrate the moment I have my book in my hands.
1: Well, you know, one thing that we can't get away from, you know, no matter how hard we try, we still are products of our environment. It's just, just are, you know. Very
2: sometimes
1: true. By, we sometimes in the middle of a meeting, something, I say something, and, I, and, and to myself I say, that sounds like something my mother would have said.
2: Don't you hate those moments?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. We all are a product of our environment, whether we like it or not, you know. and It could be, sure. it could be. It could be a help or it could be a hindrance, uh, depending on how we navigate it.
2: Yes, but I think that if we can realize what we just did,
1: love ourselves
2: unconditionally, even if we were, I don't know, putting ourselves down, sending ourselves love, then everything is good.
1: Well, I definitely agree. Hold on, I think we have um, someone might want to ask the question and join in here.
3: 317, you're on. Hello, this is Lisa. I'm calling to uh Karen here for sharing her story. I know that uh, can be challenging uh, to do, uh, but I totally agree with the journalist. I, I definitely think that's a great tool uh, for everyone, uh, but especially if you have trauma, have had trauma in your life. And congratulations on the book. That's uh, <laughs> awesome.
2: Thank you so much, and I'm glad you agree with the journaling. I think it's a wonderful method to
3: release. Yes, yes. It, it lets you see your cycle, how things c- continue to come back around. You do the same things over and over. So it helps you recognize that you are in a cycle.
2: That's very true. But once you see the cycle, then you can't actually release it
3: because you see what you're, you're doing. Not seeing it in front of you. So exactly. good, yes, good luck. I wanted to say good luck to you on your book. I know it will be great. And and speaking of positive, when it happens, when you get that book, it's going to be a, a, amazing. So uh, thank you. Congratulations so much. again. Thank you. That's so sweet.
1: Thank you, Felisa. Thank you for calling in. Uh
3: huh. Yes. Yeah. Enjoying the show.
1: Sandra, we're down to the last couple of minutes of the show, and I want you to give, give you this opportunity to tell everybody how they can contact you if they wish to.
2: Sure. I would love to connect with people. You can find me at my website. It's riseaboveyourstory.com. You can find me under the same name on Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram, under Sandra,
3: too.
1: All right. Fantastic, Sandra. I thank you so much for joining us. And uh, continue good luck. And make sure we get a copy of your book so we can keep promoting it with you as well. And uh, I'm definitely going to try that journaling. One of my actor friends told me about that the other day to write my my parts down 15 times.
2: <laughs> well, maybe it's time now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, boy, because it's been rough, but it's it's going okay. And, again, well, thank uh, you. bless you and uh, continue doing the good work, and feel free to come back through anytime, anytime.
2: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I will definitely send you a copy of my book if I if you send me your address.
1: All right. Thank you so much. And for those that join the show later, it'll be available in its entirety in about two minutes, and you have no excuse not to hear it. Ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask the milkman across the street, ask somebody, guy who worked the gas station on the corner. Somebody should be able to tell you how you can hear this show. Um, you definitely want to hear it. Um, definitely, definitely got some jewels in there. Definitely a positive note. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the same time. Thank you so much. We appreciate you.
0: Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help you sing so understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan what? You thought cause you got stage everything was gonna be pictures of cream? You better wake up son, don't nothing come to a sleep of what I think. without work is dead. Read your Bible, you know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat, blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah, Jesus said he who puts his hands to the plow looks back to say makes fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the pictures five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at ya, I'm just hitting you with the real. Huh. If you died for me, I was still tripping. Now how you think that make you feel? Check this out, deep game, this is deep, huh. Some of y'all ain't saw nothing but your study trying to reach up. But after him who was able to position, fall despite his glory. Struggle might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your look right here and see if the church can relate. I know. Jesus do, why you asking if he ain't trying to do what he's saying, huh? he told you he was going to have tribulations, but you thought he was playing, huh? one minute you tell her how good God is and can't nobody beat the talk, the next minute you back fight so fast, it's like you're moonwalking, huh? oh yeah, I'm bitching to myself because I ain't no better, it ain't like I've been following his every word, obeying it to the letter, but we soldiers, we got to remember that, regroup, stay on point, hey, yeah, bow down, confess, repent, stay humble, let him anoint, huh? it ain't easy as I thought it was, I'd be lying if I told you that, but it showed up getting better all the time, trust me, that's the fact. You want to, 'Cause the battle's already won, so while you're going through the valley, don't even trip. You're gonna be on top. Cross in the hook line no more games. This you don't stop. I know.